This week, first up, enterprise security news will include how Manage Engine launched a holistic take on privilege access security, a vast face day security breach aimed at messing up its C cleaner, recorded future enhanced a partnership with ServiceNow to reduce organizational risk, and Sophos cloud optics are now available in the AWS marketplace. In the second segment, Eric Anderson, insider threat principal at Observant, will talk about foundational elements of an insider threat program, including how to deal with whistleblowers. In our final segment, we welcome Kevin O'Brien, CEO and co-founder at Greathorn, to discuss penetration testing, social engineering, and how that plays into email phishing. So stay tuned for all that and more on this episode of Enterprise Security Weekly. This is Security Weekly, for security professionals, by security professionals. Broadcasting live from G-Unit Studios in Rhode Island, it's the show where we talk security vendors and aren't afraid to name names. It's Enterprise Security Weekly. Networks are becoming increasingly complex and fragmented, and digital transformation and DevOps are driving an explosion in network connectivity changes. With each new network connection, cyber attackers may gain another opening to breach or traverse the network. At Tufin, they've pioneered a policy-based approach to network security management using automation and analytics. As a result, you can make network changes in minutes instead of days reliably and securely. To learn more about Tufin, the security policy company, go to securityweekly.com forward slash Tufin and sign up for a free evaluation. By the end of 2020, 99% of exploited vulnerabilities will be publicly disclosed and known to IT system admins. The consequences of that fact means the burglar will already be in your house because you left the front door wide open by failing to patch known vulnerabilities. How can you keep the threat actors out? Through cloud-based automation, Automox enables you to slam the door on unpatched OS and third-party vulnerabilities across your entire Windows, Mac, and Linux infrastructure. Take advantage of a free trial with Automox to not only see the vulnerability status of your infrastructure, but do something about it within minutes. Start automating the fundamentals of cyber hygiene at securityweekly.com forward slash Automox. That's securityweekly.com forward slash Automox. Most cloud threats are your responsibility, not your cloud service providers, and prevention-based security isn't enough on its own. That's why Gartner predicts that 60% of enterprise security budgets will go towards detection and response in 2020. ExtraHop RevealX Cloud delivers cloud-native network detection and response for the hybrid enterprise, the only SaaS-based NDR solution for AWS. Request your 30-day free trial of RevealX Cloud at extrahop.com forward slash trial. That's extrahop.com forward slash trial. Welcome to episode 158 of Enterprise Security Weekly, being recorded on October 23rd, 2019. I'm your host, Paul Asadorian, joined by Matt Alderman here in studio. Matt, welcome. Thank you. I, I, it's like three of the last four shows I've been in studio. Right. Yeah, my wife keeps complaining I keep coming here, but it's so much more fun. I thought it'd be the other way around. <laughs> get out. That's what I get. Get out. Oh, boy. Um, so this is going to be a fun episode. We've got uh, all kinds of things in store for you today. We first have exciting news about our webcast program. Of course, we're partnered with ISC Squared as an official CPE provider. If you attend any of our webcasts, you will receive one CPE credit per webcast. You can register for upcoming webcasts and view the archives by going to our website, clicking that link for webcasts, or the menu item rather, 
and uh, be able to get to register for our upcoming webcast with Core Security and ServiceNow. Those are two independent webcasts. Um, and you can get to the on-demand archives as well, which is the past 364 days of webcasts Correct. currently. We're working on building out uh, a more extensive archive. So more on that later. Maybe maybe weeks or months later, but... <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> first we have to build the instance. Then if we hire a developer, <laughs> things will move faster. Right now, I'm trying to do all of the development work in addition to hosting several shows. It, and just here for the, the audience, network. we need a developer, not a, a system administrator. Yes, developer. We, we, yeah, we get a lot of resumes for system admins, which is which is great. great no, but nothing, nothing not wrong what we're with looking that. for. Yeah, we we need someone to write code. Yeah. A lot of code. A lot of code. I've been writing a lot of code. Yeah. So. Which is going much better this week than last week, by the way. Things are processing much better now. Yeah, we've, awesome. we've only had one exception today. <laughs> yeah. If I could only remember back to my days in computer science, it would be running a lot faster now, which is why we need a, a real programmer. <laughs> Not me who kind of fakes my way through it. Yeah, but, exactly. Um, so, uh, Enterprise Security News Manage Engine is launching into uh, what they call a holistic take on privileged access security. What does yeah. that mean? I'm, I'm still well, confused it's... about Manage Engine's offerings and how they play into security. I know largely they focus on IT Correct. kind of needs, yep. right? I have seen them at, where, was, where were we, InfoSec World? They were, they were yeah, there? Yeah, I think they were there. So yeah. they've got like their foot in the door in security. This announcement, you know, maybe they're moving further in that direction. We, what we've seen with some of the IT management platforms mm -hmm. is a move into security offerings. Uh, Kaseya, who was a sponsor, yep. um, was, was doing this as well, right? What you're seeing is as you ma use these systems to manage the IT infrastructure, there are logical places where security kind of fits into that that management console. Yep. In this particular case, it's all about privileged access management. Just the privilege side of it. It's which I, side and of I it. agree on your take. Why limit yourself to just privileged accounts? It should really be all accounts. All accounts. Especially if you're an active director, you talk to any, listen to any of our pen tester friends that come on the show, they'll tell you all we need is one account. Like it doesn't matter. We can move mm -hmm. from there. So I say don't manage just your privileged accounts. Manage all your accounts, right? Yeah, and I think the reason they go after privileged uh, accounts in this particular case is they're dealing with IT admins who have privileged credentials. Right. So they've created a solution for those to, to manage those privileged accounts as part of your IT system administration activities that are going on. Makes sense. Uh, I think they also do some patching because again, they're they're running the IT infrastructure, managing the IT infrastructure, which means they're doing some patch management capabilities. Manage Engine does, yes. Yeah. So yes, because so I've looked into them for that. Yep. They do play in that space and a couple of other right. spaces. So you'll see some adjacencies mm -hmm. that they're going after. Uh, this is all privilege access. I mean, obviously there are full-blown privilege access management solutions out on the market. Right. Um, there's a lot of them. This is integrating capabilities into their IT management capabilities. But I was looking at... Um, I was looking at some pricing. At the bottom of the article, it talks about pricing. It was just interesting. It just flagged this, having done a lot of packaging and pricing. They, they do, they do uh, tell us their pricing. Yeah, they yeah. do. They actually, look, Enterprise Edition starts at $79.95 for 10 administrators and 25 keys. I think that's really cost effective if you mm -hmm. look at some of the other dedicated yeah. solutions. Sure. But what I thought was weird was the MSP Enterprise Edition starts at 11995 for 10 administrators and 25 keys. So why do 
do the MSPs have to pay four thousand dollars more for the same uh, additional management capabilities to maybe yeah. I, I can't tell from this what the MSP enterprise edition gets you maybe it's multi-tenancy and some other stuff yeah. that justifies that higher price it was just kind of usually it is that multi-tenancy yeah maybe there's often a different line item right that you pay a little more for because you cannot just manage your own instance but other people's yeah. instances yeah. as well uh, so that probably gives you some additional management capabilities which is why the price difference but look people will come out and say look it's Basically, 8000 bucks for 10 administrators, 25 keys. You know exactly what you're getting yourself into. Right. Like I said, I think that's pretty cost-effective compared to some of the other PAM solutions that are mm -hmm. out there. Uh, Trend Micro uh, buys Cloud Conformity. Yes. It's security company buying Cloud Conformity is a cloud security posture management yeah, this, so this is a wow. Gart, it's a Gartner term. Okay. Um, they used it as part of describing their, themselves. So Gartner category, not a company or security vendor created category versus yeah. a general category that we would uh, I think there's right. different like yeah. lists of categories right yeah so Gartner came up with this concept of cloud security posture management well and even we have our own list of categories oh yeah we do and that, that's what's well. on the website yeah. that was part of the a huge part of the redesign was those categories right uh, and really where they're focused so we've we've also seen vendors like this cloud needy yep. and others that are looking at the security posture uh, from a configuration standpoint of your cloud assets oh right so yeah when you say cloud needy now I I get it now you know what right yeah. so that's what they bought gotcha um, it, it's interesting you know turn micro micro being primarily on the endpoint side of the the house yep um, this is an interesting move for them I don't know what other moves they've made recently. We've the seen a lot of space, diversification of the uh, traditional endpoint style yeah. vendors moving into different areas. And some interesting consolidation and acquisitions. Yes, in on the, the other side right. as well. Yeah. 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 Um, let's see. Avast faced a security breach. Uh, there was something else. Oh, through an old, old internal, internal VPN. Yeah. That's what caught my, uh, my eye. So the evidence gathered pointed activity and a VPN on October 1st, uh, malicious replication of directory service from an internal IP that belonged to our VPN address range. Um, it sounded like an out, uh, outdated or older VPN profile that was still valid uh, fell into the wrong hands. I mean, speaking of privilege uh, you know, and identity management, um, knowing which of your accounts and knowing which one of your VPN profiles is active and correlating that data together. I, and I think that's where a lot of these types of breaches stem from a lot of breaches we've got another old, announcement on this is yep. old infrastructure old architecture stuff, configuration laying old around user accounts sitting mm -hmm. out there that haven't been cleaned up they allow someone to come into the environment either with or without privileges uh, allows them to move laterally gain privileges and yep. then do the things that they do. We see this all the time in technology you and I were just having a conversation about uh, even a legacy field inside of a database that was a foreign key that was incorrectly, uh, the type was incorrect for the use case. And I was like, I can't delete that field. Like, there's, it's a foreign key in another <laughs> table. I'm like, I, the changes that we would have to make to remove that field and then go back into the data, right? And it's the same thing when you're deploying new functionality in IT or software. You can't always go back right away and remove that old stuff, right? So you build new and you leave the old stuff, and we've all done this if we've worked, any of us that have worked in IT, right? Most people listening, in fact, have got experience working in IT and in security uh, specifically, right? But we've done this. 
you push out the new, but you leave the old for backwards compatibility. Right. And then but, you forget about the and old. And then you forget about the old. Because there's always there'll always be like that one or two users, right, that are still using the old that it's a manual effort to get them off because they're just stuck in their ways or, or whatever. Or you have an executive that still uses that VPN gateway. Exactly. Yeah, or something. It, right? And getting time with that person, right, to, to do it, and then it gets low on the priority list. But as pen testers and attackers, that's what we're looking for, right? I mean, why attack what is new and maybe implemented with security in mind when you can attack legacy and old that typically doesn't benefit from those same level of security controls and visibility. Yep. And that's, I mean, that's been in security and in the minds of testers and attackers since, you know, the dawn of computing. The beginning of right? time. Yeah. Yes. So, um, yeah. And, you, you know, security companies are software companies and, and have infrastructure to protect. And, you know, there's gonna, no one's uh, immune to every single attack on the planet. So yep. uh, it's all in how you handle it. And the fact that we're talking about it and reading it and they've disclosed uh, what happened uh, speaks to me that they're, they're doing responsible disclosure. Now, speaking of disclosure and outdated IT, I'm excited about this because this is something I think large and uh, small companies can take advantage of. Uh, even for us, this is something I've wanted to build, right? Is that IT asset uh, discovery. Yep. Um, they, they call it IT asset discovery business. Uh, you could call it business discovery mm -hmm. uh, as well, right? Like what is on the internet that I own in some way that I may not know about? I like the term attack surface management. I think that's... I think that's an appropriate term here. Yeah, you've, you've seen other terms like digital risk management, right? Where are mm -hmm. all your digital assets out on the, on the public web? Right. What, what I thought was interesting is, are, are they leveraging the work that HD Moore did with his uh, Rumble Network discovery? Because there's a lot of discussion about um, HD in here in mm -hmm. this article, right? He built this um, asset discovery tool, Rumble Network Discovery which detects an organization's devices and their status on a network without requiring administrative access to reach them. Um, I, I, don't, I, I can't tell from the article if BugCrowd is leveraging that work to build this new module or not. But or they, if they're just referencing it. Yeah, yeah. But, they, but they definitely um, talk about um, HD at the bottom of this article, which I thought was interesting. But you're right. It is hard for organizations to understand what assets they have out there. Mm -hmm. um, you know, one of the challenges with with application security is what apps do I have and where are they running? Mm -hmm. um, you could have stuff hosted in a lot of different places and a way to discover that, even just to start basic uh, testing against those applications is, is difficult, right? So anything that we can do to do a better job of understanding where our assets are, whether they're hardware-based or application-based, it doesn't really matter. Mm -hmm. This is still one of the fundamental challenges in the enterprise security side of the house is just knowing what I have. Right. Yeah, and, and like I said, you know, if you own a domain name, then you you need this type of service, right? Yes. Where are all the instances of that domain name? Which domains do I actually own? The whole the right. whole thing, um, and it's it's interesting. Um, what was uh, Jeremiah Grossman in our snakes company called Bit Discovery? I think it's Bit Discovery. Bit Discovery, yeah, I think it's so. similar thing. And it's interesting to see the HD Moores and R snakes and Jeremiah's of the world that have been in security for over twenty years. 
um, gravitating towards these types of companies because I think it's a problem we've all seen and we, all of us on the red team side of the fence, is that's again what we find. Going back to our earlier discussion, right? We're trying to find those pockets that you don't know about because if you don't know about them, you're not applying security to them and that's going to be our foothold yeah. into the organization. So, what, for all those vendors listening that really want to understand how some of this comes together, you take something like what HD built, mm -hmm. which does asset discovery. Then you correlate to your endpoint vendors to understand, okay, I, I found this device. Oh, I do have an agent running on that device, and here's the inventory of all mm -hmm. the software running on that device. Um, that one-two combination is extremely powerful mm -hmm. um, when it comes to not only the asset side, but also understanding um, what's on that device. And then you can start doing some really interesting inferences around well, based on that software version, these are the vulnerabilities I probably have because these are the missing patches I see, right? Right. There's some really interesting things that can happen when people start thinking outside the box a little bit about how these discovery tools tied into some of your other technologies actually create some very new, interesting ways to do some of the things we've done the old-fashioned way. I think there could be some really great innovation um, coming if we think more broadly about that in the space. Absolutely. Record a future. Yes. And ServiceNow, both partners, partnering together. Imagine that. I, I liked the title, though. Uh, it was very straight and to the point, which oftentimes you don't get from the title, <laughs> reducing organizational risk, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, this one makes a lot of sense from a uh, integration of the recorded future threat data into the ServiceNow incident response stuff, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, ServiceNow has been on this mission to leverage their existing platform to automate aspects of security. And we have a, a, a webcast coming up with them uh, next month on the specific topic, right? Mm -hmm. And so integrating recorded future data in here makes complete sense. The second one uh, is one of my near and dear, which is smarter third-party risk management and ServiceNow. And again, ServiceNow has this really interesting, they have a bunch of security automation stuff, but mm -hmm. they're also building out GRC capabilities. Um, and one of the big challenges on the governance risk management compliance or integrated risk management, whatever you want to call it now, has always been around third parties. Understanding the posture of your third parties and where they pose risk to the environment. Because lots of data connections, a lot of data flowing back and forth between these third parties. Um, here again, you see Recorded Future ServiceNow trying to tackle aspects of that third party partner relationship and the risk management involved in that. Uh, super difficult space that that's been out there for a long time well and I mean at a high level that makes sense right if you've got a threat intelligence feed or source of data for threat intelligence and it's telling you that one of your third-party vendors has been compromised in some way mm -hmm. that that's a nice uh, notification to have right yeah absolutely um, and it's hard for people to manage you, yeah because we've seen airlines right including JavaScript from a third-party vendor yeah. you know not knowing that there was a vulnerability or there was some kind of breach too. it's the uh, ongoing monitoring of understanding mm. what's happened see in in the third-party risk management world the way we used to do this was we do a risk profile we send them a questionnaire we get their control back or they send us their um, audit report or whatever okay that's a point in time right I may not do that for another year, mm -hmm. uh, but a whole lot of things that that third party can change during that time frame. And, and how do you monitor how your third parties are right. doing? This is where those kind, these types of solutions help a lot. Uh, Sophos Cloud Optics. Again, another endpoint vendor kind of playing in the cloud. Mm -hmm. um, 
what is cloud optics? Cloud infrastructure, uh, oh, provides a full topology view of cloud infrastructure, leverages artificial intelligence to highlight and mitigate threat exposure and integrates native AWS APIs. More cloud stuff. More cloud, cloud, stuff. cloud. Yay. Okay. We're in the cloud. Okay. But you, you, but you are seeing the endpoint vendor start to move into the space. It, and I think the challenge for the endpoint vendors in general is as more and more stuff moves to the cloud, um, they've got to figure out how to make themselves relevant in that cloud infrastructure. Bo initially at the infrastructure as a service layer, but eventually at the platform as a service layer. Right. And that means when you move from infrastructure as a service, which is dedicated instances running in, in uh, the cloud, to a platform as a service where the endpoint's abstracted, they need to find value at that layer because mm -hmm. otherwise they don't have anything to offer. Uh, and so the value driver for them is how do they integrate with these APIs from the cloud providers, leverage some of the stuff that they do on the endpoint at a higher level in the stack because they won't have access to all these endpoints in the future. Right, yeah, they don't have access to the operating system anymore if they right. want to protect something like a server or you know exactly. any type of server asset. Yeah, may not have necessarily not have access. someone else's server. Basically, right. is exactly. what it boils down to. Yeah, so and that's why you're seeing all these endpoint players really making moves into better integration with these cloud platforms because they have to. Otherwise, their revenue streams get cut off. Mm -hmm. uh, we had one um, uh, acquisition uh, news item that we missed in uh, earlier this month. Uh, this was on October 2nd. ReliaQuest has acquired um, Threat Care. Threat, did I get threat that care. Right? Threat, yeah. care. threat Care. I got that right. Mm -hmm. A lot of threat vendors. <laughs> A lot of threat vendors. I think this is uh this is Marcus Carey's company, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes, Marcus's company. Yep. So, congrats to Marcus and team. Yep. It's awesome. It's great. It's a, and it's a great space. And we've seen a lot of acquisitions in this. It seems like the this um breach and attack simulation kind of slowly crept up and then really ramped up, get on a lot of people's radar. The uh, MITRE attack framework really helped fuel the growth of this category mm -hmm. and then we started to see acquisitions happen in that yeah. category. Yeah, so Veridin it, by FireEye, mm -hmm. um, this, uh, now ThreatCare by ReliaQuest. What's interesting is, you know, I don't, I don't hear a lot about ReliaQuest in general. No, we neither. Um, the leader in enterprise cybersecurity, you know how many <laughs> security vendors mm. <laughs> are going to attempt to make that same claim? Um, but I, I didn't have a lot of background on, on ReliaQuest because I, I really haven't seen them um, in the enterprise uh, space, but obviously they are playing in the enterprise cybersecurity space and, and Marcus's stuff's going to get integrated in there. and Into their gray matter platform, right. enabling CISOs to improve visibility over their cybersecurity tech stacks and increase control over outcomes, is what it says. Yeah, and if you think about, if, if you are providing a bunch of functionality in your product and you want to validate that that functionality is providing value in thwarting attacks, then the integration of these two technologies makes a ton of sense. Mm -hmm. Because now you can say, yes, I have these controls in place and we can validate that these controls are being effective in your environment in providing value back to the organization. So I think we'll see uh, maybe a little more consolidation in the space as vendors try to continue to drive value in the solutions that are being deployed, uh, their normal solutions that are being deployed to prove that they are providing value in, in thwarting attacks. And a great matter looks like one of those platforms that does everything for you, 
right? right. Consolidates all your security into it. They're trying to be that cliche term, the single pane of glass, which makes sense. They would make this acquisition yeah. into their platform. Yeah, it's just another capability. Pull right. it all together. Yeah. That is really it for the news. It was kind of a light uh, news week this week. So with that, we'll take a short break and come back with Eric Anderson from Observe It. Stay tuned. <laughs> 